and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with the Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today, and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 3, Right-Sizing Ambition Not to value and employ men of superior ability is the way to keep the people from rivalry amongst themselves. Not to prize articles which are difficult to procure is the way to keep them from becoming thieves. Not to show them what is likely to excite their desires is the way to keep their minds from disorder. Therefore the sage in the exercise of his government, empties their minds, fills their bellies, weakens their wills, and strengthens their bones. He constantly tries to keep them without knowledge and without desire, and where there are those who have knowledge to keep them from presuming to act on it. When there is this abstinence from action, good order is universal. That's verse 3 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by James Legg. Next, let's break it down. This verse has three parts to it, and we'll take each part, one idea, at a time. So the first part says, Not to value and employ men of superior ability is the way to keep the people from rivalry amongst themselves. And then it stops with... Not to show them what is likely to excite their desires is the way to keep their minds from disorder. To me, I suppose we could just kind of summarize this part by saying that valuing things causes contention. So if I'm a leader and I'm saying, look at what I have, it causes people to actually want it. Now, if I'm leading by example, that's one thing. But when I'm flaunting my qualities or my position or my money or whatever it is that I have just to show folks what they don't have. That's when contention arises. 
That's the first part. The second part seems a little weird at first glance, but uh, I'll break it down here. So it says, therefore, the sage and the exercise of his government empties their minds, fills their bellies, weakens their wills and strengthens. Their-. That sounds a little bit like a dictator, doesn't it? <laughs> Emptying people's minds and weakens their wills. What does that mean? Well, I think basically what Lao Tzu is saying here is he's saying that the sage um, basically keeps the people free of this kind of bad ambition. The, the ambition that we just talked about in part one. So in other words, I feel like part two is saying that when we lead, we want to serve those whom we are leading and not, not make the, the, the people serve us as leaders. Now we'll get a little bit down into the rest of um, this episode where I talk about how we are all leaders and we're all leading at some point in our lives or we're leading at different points in the day. And we'll get into that a little bit more. I think the main takeaway is that when I'm leading, I should serve those who I'm leading, not, not the other way around. So the third part of the verse is where he's saying he constantly tries to keep them without knowledge and with desire. Again, sounds kind of like a dictator, um, but not, uh, and then where there are those who have knowledge to keep them from presuming to act on it. So when there is this abstinence from action, good order is universal. So this word action, I feel is the actual key to this, this whole, it's not a dictator thing. Um, in this sense, Lao Tzu is talking about the action of inserting one's ego into any undertaking. That's what he means. When we talk about the Tao is not acting, non-action, non-being, most of what is recurring throughout the Tao Te Ching is this idea of no action. I, my sense from reading it and a couple of translations and just comparing them to each other means that no action basically means not inserting my selfish desires or my ego into anything. So now it starts to make sense. So part three says he constantly tries to keep them without knowledge, without desire, and where there's, there are those who have knowledge to keep them presuming to act on it. Well, there's that act word. So basically he's saying, well, the sage tries to keep people without greedy ambitions, basically. And to stop those with greedy ambitions from gaining a foothold into the natural order of things. So when there's abstinence from that, good order is universal. If I were to summarize part three, um, I would say that it would it basically says, well, make a practice out of part one and part two, and you'll have peace. So that's a good point to kind of summarize. And so let's do that and wrap up verse three, which has three parts. So part one says, valuing things causes contention, saying, look at what I have causes people to want it. Part two is when leading, you want to serve those whom you are leading. And part three says, well, if you can do those things, make a practice out of that, you'll have peace. So let's put that back together. 
I will read verse 3 one more time. Not to value and employ men of superior ability is the way to keep the people from rivalry amongst themselves. Not to prize articles which are difficult to procure is the way to keep them from becoming thieves. Not to show them what is likely to excite their desires is the way to keep their minds from disorder. Therefore the sage, in the exercise of his government, empties their minds, fills their bellies, weakens their wills, and strengthens their bones. He constantly tries to keep them without knowledge and without desire, and where there are those who have knowledge to keep them from presuming to act on it. When there's this abstinence from action, good order is universal. Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when I considered right-sizing ambition. The first one, as we talked about earlier, is that I am a leader of myself, of others, my loved ones, my friends, all of those about me, and that somehow come into contact with me. And the second thing that I thought about was this difference between ambition and calling. So let's talk about that leader thing. I'm a leader of myself, of others, my loved ones, my friends, all of those about me and that somehow come in contact with me. There's something I've noticed about Lao Tzu's teaching, at least as far as the format is concerned in each verse. Over and over, Lao Tzu will state a general principle in the first part of a verse, then say something to the effect that the sage or the wise leader exhibits this principle by acting or not acting a certain way, and then finishes by telling us what the results are. We saw this in verse 2, and we'll see it many more times as we read the Tao Te Ching together. So this verse is no different. In a nutshell, the first part of it talks about the idea that valuing things causes contention. The sage, as Lao Tzu puts it, leads in a servant role, and the result is peace. This sounds great until I start, quote, governing. (laughs) I'm not a sage or a governor, but I am a leader. I lead my family, I lead my friends, I lead my pets. And how? By living according to my own example, I'm always teaching and leading the way for my own self. And... Whether I like it or not, that influences others from time to time. Of course, everyone makes their own choices. But to a certain degree, I affect them in their lives. If that's the case, I would do well to seek to do the right thing so that it might help others. Because, I don't know, I've found that for me, it's just not about me. (laughs) Let's talk about recognizing ambition versus calling now. Lao Tzu says that not to value and employ men of superior ability is the way to keep the people from rivalry among themselves. Not to prize articles which are difficult to procure is the way to keep them from becoming thieves. Not to show them what is likely to excite their desires is the way to keep their minds from disorder. So, 
if I'm simultaneously a leader and a follower, I think I would do well to consider both sides of this part of the verse, the sage and the people. I like how not valuing things keeps the people from becoming thieves because I can flip this around and think that if I don't overvalue the result of an ambition I have, I will continue to be useful and effective. In other words, I should look to lessen my ambitions. It was about this point when I was thinking about this that I said, that's, that's BS, yo. <laughs> Ambition is healthy. It's what drives me to succeed. It's what helps me to create a better world for others and the children. Think of the children. So how can a lack of ambition fit here? Remember how we talked about using duality to help us unpack things in the last verse, verse two? Let's make use of that concept now. Let's consider a, pop, a possible opposite of ambition, a calling. To me, a calling seems to be the natural output of an initial thought, an inspiration, a creative urge that just pops into my mind. For example, I felt, John, I felt drawn to the Tao Te Ching's lessons the more I read them. And one day was feeling a little creative, broke out the mic, and started discussing. There was no idea at that point. Okay, maybe there maybe there was a little one, but I'd been because I'd been thinking about podcasting anyway. But there wasn't any idea that I'd be crafting this whole thing. I really just had an urge to express myself. In that moment, I felt compelled or called, if you like, to manifest a greater connection with the Tao. So a calling seems to me to be a thing based on love and inspiration. Ambition, on the other hand, is, for me, what follows that creative urge or thought sometimes. Ambition is saying like, oh, well, I'll do this thing that I want to do anyways, and it'll be awesome. It'll grow into something incredible, and I'm going to make it so. At first glance, this might sound entirely innocuous, and it might be. But sometimes for me, I start to overthink things. And when I do, they don't turn out well. In fact, sometimes I just quit. And why? I try to possess that calling and use it to define me, which pulls me away from that original, pure inspiration. So is ambition bad per se? Of course not. Nothing is really bad until we make it so. But it can get us into trouble if we, like the people, perceive whatever it is we've thought about to be valuable, because that causes us to forget why we started the thing, whatever it is, like a work project, a relationship goal, a desired situation, in the first place. Does this mean that I can't have ambitions? No, I don't think so. It means that I can prevent them from becoming the means to an end and allow them to be the impetus from which I carry my inspiration through my work. I think what Lao Tzu is calling me to do in the first part of this verse is to take a hard look at things upon which I place value and observe when I'm overdoing it. By becoming aware of my tendency to warp an inspiration, a calling, into something greater than what it is by my own doing, I could stop it before it derails the whole thing. Then I can enjoy the result that verse 3 talks about. I can see that, quote, when there is this abstinence from action or ambition or inserting ego into things unnecessarily, 
good order is universal. So to wrap up my experience with this verse today and considering right-sizing ambition, I thought of two things. Number one is I thought, I'm a leader of myself, of others, of my loved ones, and my friends. All of those about me that somehow come in contact with me. And then the second thing that I thought about is recognizing ambition versus calling. For the final piece in this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of right-sizing ambition in this verse today. The Shishi Odoshi is a noise-making fountain sometimes found in Japanese gardens. If you saw Kill Bill, you might have seen this fountain thingy in one of the final scenes or close to the final scenes. It was that thing in the garden that kept filling up and emptying out. It consists of a segmented tube, usually of bamboo, pivoted to one side of its balance point. So it rests, its heavier end is down and resting against a rock. A trickle of water into the upper end of the tube accumulates and eventually moves the tube's center of gravity past the pivot. And this causes the tube to rotate and dump out the water. The heavier end then falls back against the rock, making a sharp sound, and the cycle repeats. So as a creator, a maker, a writer, whatever role I find myself in, I will, on occasion, have a wonderful moment when an idea just pops into my head. In its pure form, it's beautiful, and I partly see a way to bring it into reality. An idea for a story, a class, a podcast even. Or maybe how I can be helpful for a colleague or a new project at work. Or something I can do for my significant other. The best times are when I just go to work and create whatever I was inspired about without overthinking it. But there are other times when this little thing happens in the back of my mind. There's a low voice. What can I get out of this? Okay, so sometimes it isn't that blatant. Sometimes it'll say something like, wouldn't it be awesome if X or Y happens as a result of this? That's a natural thought to have, and most of the time I can catch it before it grows out of control. (laughs) But sometimes it does. And when I'm working on whatever it was I thought about, I start to forget the reason I started working on it in the first place. For the sake of creation, for the express purpose of making things better, to see how it can be helpful. All harmony with the Tao things. But I need not worry, because at some point, if I forget my original inspiration, my ego will tire of the project and I'll feel overwhelmed or like stopping. In this moment, I can make a choice. Allow the water to drain out of the shishi odoshi in my mind so it can write itself again. Or stay in my unhealthy ambition and keep it all to myself, thus leaving the water unnaturally inside the tube to stagnate and rot. To avoid making it about me, I can write down my original inspiration and leave it for the time when I need to remember. This podcast, for example. The reason I started it was because I have found solace with the Tao. I feel called to the Tao. I feel empowered to discuss it. I have this need to create. Talking about 
the Tao Te Ching adds so much depth for me. And I know that if I am pure about this, others may benefit from this work. So to be honest, it is a lot of work. And my shishi odoshi has tipped over and stayed down as I think about what cool things can come out of this. But then I find myself thinking about it, sometimes obsessing about it even, and I feel tired. Wanting to keep going though, I can come back to my reasons, reconnect, and just carry on. So in practicing this principle, there's three things I can do as I go about my day. The first thing that I can do is I can just remember the shishi odoshi. Number two is I can become aware of my tendency to possess my inspiration. And number three, I can try to connect with my original inspiration instead of what it might become. So I can ask myself a few questions that kind of prompt these things that I can do. So let's consider them now. Are there times that I have found myself caught in ambition cycle? Is there anything I'm doing now that indicates I might be in or close to being in this cycle? Was something ever a great idea that just petered out? Can I look for that moment when my ambition tipped over and once I saw that things weren't going to turn out the way I wanted them to, that I dropped it? Is there anything I'm currently working on that fits into the cycle? If so, can I reconnect with the original inspiration I had when I started it? That will wrap up this section today. To consider the principle of right-sizing ambition, I can do three, three things. One, I can remember the shishi odoshi. Two, I can become aware of my tendency to possess my inspiration. And three, I can try to connect with my original inspiration instead of what it might become. I'll leave you with a final read of verse 3 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by James Lake. Not to value an employment of superior ability is the way to keep the people from rivalry among themselves. Not to prize articles which are difficult to procure is the way to keep them from becoming thieves. Not to show them what is likely to excite their desires is the way to keep their minds from disorder. Therefore, the sage, in the exercise of his government, empties their minds, fills their bellies, weakens their wills, and strengthens their bones. He constantly tries to keep them without knowledge and without desire, and where there are those who have knowledge to keep them from presuming to act on it. When there is this abstinence from action, good order is universal. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. 
three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the DAO. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the DAO into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the DAO every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.